bunch of rowdy folks. I, uh, you act like you hadn't seen each other in two weeks. <laughs> they say they can't hear me. Yeah, you act like you hadn't seen each other in a year. No, it's just been two weeks, right? Did everybody have a uh, good little vacation? It's a good time off and get some rest and all that good stuff. And here we are back in God's house and ready to worship the Lord and ready to start on a new year. We got a big year that's coming, big year this year. And uh, so, uh, how many of you have made New Year's resolutions this year? Anybody? Anybody uh, say, I stopped doing that a long time ago because I never follow through with them anyway? Yeah, I'm right there with you. Hey, uh, I got this video I want to show you. Go ahead and play the whatever video. This year, I'm going to marry Brad Pitt. This year, I'm going to fit into this. This year, I'm going to win American Idol. This year, I'm going to win... I'm going to win the Kentucky Derby. Was blind, but... Is it hot in here? Now I see. This year, I'm going to win the lottery. I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to get a gym membership. I'm going to get my degree. This year, I'm going to tithe more. Go to church more. Read the Bible more. Pray more. This year, I'm going to look into building wells in third world countries. This year, I'm going to learn to put the needs of others before my own. This year, I'm going to get involved in my church. Not because somebody recruited me, but because I'm sick of sitting on the sidelines, just pretending to play the game. This year, I'm going to spend time with my family and friends, even if I feel like I have nothing left to give. This year, I want to give God permission to shape me into who He wants me to become. Whatever that looks like. Whatever that looks like. Whatever. You know, this year's a new year, and we need to focus on what can I do for God to change the world around me, amen? What is, it, what is my job to do so that the world around me becomes changed? How do I do that? 
How do I not let the past determine who I am going to be in Christ? So if you have your Bibles, I want us to look at what the Apostle Paul told us, and it's found in Philippians chapter 3, and I want to begin reading at verse 12. Some of you may have heard this, some of you may even have it memorized, but this is a good passage, and I think it's a great way to start every year. But Philippians chapter 3, and I want to begin at verse 12. It says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, it's in this passage that Paul shows us three things that we have to realize. The first one, I have to realize that I am not perfect. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you're not perfect. (laughs) Now, be nice. But just like Paul, we have to realize that even when we become Christians, we are not perfect. Amen? God isn't finished with us once we are saved, right? The Christian life, it's a process. And yes, it is true when we become believers in Jesus that we are considered righteous through salvation, but our entire lives are marked by growth toward becoming more like Christ, And after salvation, there is a discipleship process that we have to go through. Christ becomes the head of our life. We surrender our life to Jesus as Savior and Lord. And can I tell you that there is a difference between Savior and Lord? Do you hear what I'm saying? There's a difference between Savior and Lord. I'm so glad this Christmas stuff is gone. I can move now. But uh, there's a difference between Savior and Lord. And here's the difference. Savior is someone that saves you. Jesus went to the cross and he saves you. A Lord is someone that you surrender your life completely over to and you make them Lord of your life. There's a difference. I can be a Savior to somebody. I can pull somebody out of front of a, of a, uh, a, a car that's coming. You know, we watched this Christmas movie. How many know some of these Christmas movies are the cheesiest things you've ever seen, and they're so predictable? Anybody else there with me? If you, I don't, I don't, if you like Hallmark movies, more power to you. I'm not a big, I'm not a big Hallmark Christmas movie guy. It, they drive me nuts because they're all the same, and they all have the same ending and, and everything. But there's this one movie we watched. It was on Disney+, Plus, and it was a Christmas movie. I don't even remember what it was called. Uh, what? Three Days. That's what it was. So this guy had three days okay, to redo something that happened. So his, his, uh, his uh, wife gets hit by a car, and she perishes. And then, and then an angel says, okay, you got three days to spend, the, you're going to repeat these last three days over again, and you get to make a change. And so he had to learn to love his wife all over again. And so he, he eventually figured it out. I won't tell you the, the story or how it ends because you may want to watch it, and I don't want to run movies for everybody. But, uh, but anyway, uh, he, he ends up saving her. You'll figure that out. But uh, the whole point is that 
there are times and there are things that we get a do-over when we start the new year, amen? And there are times that we get to forget the past. We get to forget the things that are in the past. We have to understand that we're not perfect. We are not perfect. Paul says that we're not perfect. Um, But the difference between Lord and Savior is that I save, I can save somebody, but I make Lord, Jesus, the Lord of my life. I ask him to be over my life. I ask him to control my life. I ask him to, to guide me, to direct me, to, to walk each step. Anybody can get saved, right? But there's another step to the salvation process. I can ask G, I can say a prayer at the end of this service, I can say a prayer and ask Jesus to come and be the Lord and Savior of my, or to be the Savior of my life. But to take it another step is to say, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life. And there's a difference. But as we're growing in Christ, there's a change that's taking place in our heart. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 17. It says, likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. You know, we just cut a tree down last week. That thing was, it was dead. I mean, there was no good fruit left in this tree. So we cut it down to keep it from what? Falling or something happening. It was so, this, this tree was so, I guess the winter last year got a hold of it, but it was so bad that you would go to pick up a limb and it would just come off. That's how dry this tree was, how dead it was. And so that's what you do with a, a dead tree, right? If it's not bearing fruit, you get rid of it. Jesus did not mean perfect fruit, right? But he meant growing fruit. And as we spend time following Jesus, he changes us internally. He's changing who we are because we are no longer our own person, but we have become one of his. And as our heart changes, our mission changes. Amen? Jesus saved us for a purpose. Now, some believe we're given a get-out-of-jail-free card, and we're free to do what we want with our lives. But this is not true. This is not true God's mission is now our mission and we recognize that we are responsible for our own slice of history and our hands are for his service so discipleship it begins in the head we make a decision to follow Christ and then that moves to our heart and when we start to grow in Christ our heart begins to change and then it moves to our hands and we want to do something for Christ because we are not our own he is truly our lord and savior so you see that when you become a christian you're not perfect and you won't become perfect until jesus comes back for his people amen and so that brings me to the next thing that paul's telling us the next thing that we have to realize is we have to realize that my past is behind me let me tell you this don't let satan hold your past against you Look at what verse 13 says again. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. If, you want to, if you're on a journey, 
and you're trying to go, let's say I'm trying to go from here to, uh, let's just say New Orleans. Do I ever look behind me? I won't reach my destination, will I? I won't get to where I'm going. I, I, I can't drive backwards. If I, if I get a little ways down, have you ever done this? I've done this. Get halfway down, or not halfway down the road, but get a few, maybe a few way, uh, little ways past your away from your home, and you realize, oh, man, I forgot something. What do you got to do? Turn around and go back and get So what does that do? That makes your trip even longer, right? So what it is is you don't ever want to go backwards. You always want to be going forward because the only way that you can reach your goal is to keep moving forward, Right? And if we're constantly working on our past or looking at our past or figuring out you know, what I did in my past, then what happens? We never get anywhere, do we? We never get to the destination that God has prepared for us, that God has laid out for us. We never get there because we're too concerned with where we were. We can't stay concerned with where we were because God has something far greater where we're going. Amen? And I wonder... Think about this. I wonder if Paul's past ever came back to haunt him. You see, when you read the book of Acts in chapter 7, you will find that as the religious leaders were stoning Stephen, Paul was there with them, holding their coats for them. Paul was on his way to find more Christians to persecute when God met him on the road to Damascus. Paul's past was not very pretty, amen? He spent a lot of time persecuting Christians. He didn't believe that they had the same rights as the Jewish people did. So don't let the enemy use your past against you. Paul says, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Your past cannot determine your future if you are a believer in Christ. Amen? The past should not be used as a barrier to the future. It should not be used as an excuse for dropping out or for avoiding proper spiritual conduct in your relationship with God. Forgetting what is behind is not just the bad stuff, but it may also require us to forget some good stuff as well. Amen? What happens? We did some great things in the past. And we dwell on those things, right? Maybe you, saw, maybe you saw a revival happen, or maybe you saw a bunch of people get saved, or maybe you led someone to Jesus. And what do we start doing? We start dwelling on those good, on those good things of the past that we forget about. There's more good things ahead, amen? So we cannot dwell on the past, whether it's a bad past, a good past, or in-between past. It doesn't matter. Leave it in the past and start looking at the future of where God wants you to go. And what God has for you. But we must refuse to rest on past accomplishments and past successes. So when we think that our past was great, you know what happens sometimes? It causes us to become spiritually prideful, maybe lazy in the present or future. Because God's wanting to do a new thing, amen? He has something greater to do. Look at Luke chapter 9, verse 62. It says, Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. What's he he referring to here? Jesus is referencing Elijah's call of Elisha. When Elijah calls Elisha, Elisha 
was uh, called as a pro- to be a prophet, he was in the middle of plowing a field. He's out there just plowing. He's doing his job. He's working the ground. He's doing you know, everything that he's done all his life. And all of a sudden, this guy named Elijah appears on the scene. He says, hey, God told me to come talk to you and say, you're to be a prophet. You know what he did? He stopped everything he was doing, and he followed the calling immediately. He didn't look back, or he didn't say, hey, I have to finish this garden first. He, didn't say, he stopped immediately. He didn't look at the past, or he didn't start analyzing everything. He never looked back. In fact, Elisha even slaughtered the oxen so that there would be no temptation to return. How crazy is that? Elisha then moved wholeheartedly into the ministry to which he had been called. Jesus explained that service in the kingdom of God was of such vital importance that his followers must make it their top priority. You see, you and I have been called by God to move forward. So we must not look back. We have to step out in faith to serve God and not look back. And the third thing that we have to realize is this. The goal is still ahead. Amen? God isn't finished with you yet. There's a far greater race ahead of you, and you have to run like your life depends on it. Amen? Paul would forget his past with all its credentials and accomplishments, even his sins, and just like a runner in a race with his whole body reaching for the finish line, he would press on toward the goal. Have you ever watched a race? You ever watch a runner? Oh, he's running. You ever seen them when they'll, they'll what? If they get to that finish line, they stretch out a little bit, right? I mean, they're doing everything that they can to hit that tape before anybody else does. They want to cross that finish line. We have a race that we have to run, that we have to win, and we have to run it with all of our might and with all of our heart, and we've got to give it everything that we got to try to cross that finish line. How many of you like to get a prize? Anybody? All of us do, right? I do. I don't win a whole lot of stuff, but you know how everywhere you go, they, they want you to put your name or in a phone number, usually in a, in a thing, and you just, you just put stuff in there, or you got to be the certain number of caller, you know, on a radio station, and you win or whatever. We all like getting a prize, do we not? When somebody pulls your name out of a hat, you feel pretty good, don't you? Oh, wow, I won. I can't believe it. I won. Why? Because we all enjoy getting a prize. You know, one of my few sports accomplishments, all my sports accomplishments were few and far in between, okay? I'm just going to tell you, I was not the most athletic kid out there, okay? I tried hard. That's all I'm going to say because everything else, it was really, really bad. But I will never forget one of my most uh, greatest sports achievements ever in the history of my sports career was when I was playing junior little league baseball. And the pitcher was struggling, he really was, you know, and he walked, I don't know how many of us batters, and I was on third base, and the, I was the go-ahead run, and all of a sudden, he walks the guy at bat, and I got to make the winning run in the final inning of that game to win the uh, junior, our junior little league championship game, and man, that you talking, guess what, we got, all got trophies, 
And we earned those trophies. It wasn't no uh, participation trophy. We were first place. And it said first place, and we were all excited about it. And, you know, and I remember holding, there's a big trophy, too, that went in the sponsor's, you know, uh, store or whatever. And it was a big trophy. And I remember sitting there holding that trophy, and it was bigger than I was, you know. But uh, I got a picture of it to prove it. So if you ever need to see it, I'll try to find the picture. But anyway, that was my only big achievement in sports. But I loved winning the race. I loved winning the prize. And we are in this race for the prize, amen? If you're not running for the prize, then what's the point of running? Amen? Do you hear what I'm saying? If you're not in it for the prize, then why are you even running? Just go sit on the sidelines and just watch. Because there's no point of doing anything. If we're not going to do our best and try to accomplish and reach the goal that God has for us, then, then if we're not going to do that, then why even try? Right? Everybody that goes into, the, you know, every team that starts out trying to, you know, I, I love football. I do. How about them hogs? Woohoo! Right? Everybody excited about that, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I got a team that plays today, too. And uh, so, uh, you know, we all, all the teams that start off at the beginning of the year, they all believe that they have some chance or some hope until that final whistle blows, right? Until the final bell dings, until the final buzzer buzzes, right? There's always a hope for a win. If they didn't go in thinking they were going to win, then what's the point of even going out there and trying, Right? You say, well, those guys make lots of money. They, they can go out there and, you know, make their... But they still want to achieve. I've never talked to anybody, or I've not talked to anybody that's won a Super Bowl, but you, they've never had interviews of those people that win the Super Bowl. None of them ever said, you know, I really wish we didn't win this thing. <laughs> Have they? Have you ever heard somebody say that? No, they all are excited. They're all wanting to go do something. You know, they all celebrate. They have a parade. I mean, they get to go see the president. They do all these things for these winners. Why? Because everybody's in it for the prize. And we are in this life. And we are in this race for the prize. Amen? God has a great plan for us. And we need to run this race while all, with all our might. And this prize is Christ Jesus calling us to heaven. Amen? God is calling us upward to a deeper and deeper experience of Christ. And the race will end with the final heavenward prize when we stand with Christ for all eternity. That's the prize that we're shooting for. That's what a goal that we want to accomplish. That's where we're going. So we got to run this race with all of our might. So I want to close today with this. You know, all believers are looking for attaining this prize someday. And that's why we must keep running the race. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. 
So our church, this church, we want to achieve the prize that God has for us. Amen? That's what we want to do. The church is each of us. We're working together to fulfill the calling that God has given us. Amen? And I want you to know that if you're a part of this church, then you're a part of that calling. And it's your job to help us fulfill the calling that God has given us. It doesn't matter if we're old or young or middle or or just new at this, or we've been doing this for all our life, or, or we just started coming, or we've been coming here all our life. It doesn't matter. The fact is, we all have a job to do. Our church has a job to do, and our church is made up of eight core values. And I want to give these to you this morning, but these, core, these values, they represent the DNA of our church. You know, if you've ever studied any kind of science, DNA is what makes up why you are the way you are. These make up why we are the way we are. These values is what God has given to us. They represent our church, and I'm going to give you those values real quickly. Number one, spirit-led worship. As a church, we commit to worship that uh, we worship the Lord in that is spirit-led, anointed, and moves people closer to God. John chapter four verse twenty-four says, "God is spirit, and His worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth." The second one is discipleship. As a church, we commit to discipleship that encourages people to draw closer to God. Through discipleship, people learn to become followers of Christ and become connected with one another. Acts chapter 2 verse 42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Number three, led by the Spirit. As a church, we commit to being a church that is led by the Holy Spirit with people experiencing being filled with the evidence of speaking in tongues, prophecy, and miracles. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10 says, To another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. Number four, reach multiple generations. As a church, we commit to reaching multiple generations from young to old, single to married. Our desire is to see each generation discipled and moving closer in the relationship with God. Psalm chapter 22, verse 30 says, Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. Number five, church of all nations. As a church, we commit to being a church that ministers to people of all nationalities. We desire to be a church of all nations. Mark chapter 13, verse 10. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Number six, ministry involvement. As a church, we commit to being a church that allows ministry involvement for its members. We want the people to discover and develop their gifts and talents to bring glory to God. Romans chapter 11, verse 29 says, For God's gifts and His call are irrevocable. Number seven, church of prayer. As a church, we commit to being a church of prayer by asking and receiving. Amen? It's, you don't want to just ask. You want to receive what God wants to do for you. Mark chapter 11, verse 24 says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And then number eight is biblical foundations. As a church, we commit to being a church that teaches the foundations of the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2 says, Preach the word. 
Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. These are the eight core values that make up our church. We aren't fulfilling all of them. That's on me. I haven't done a great job in teaching you the DNA of our church. We, as a church, need to do a better job. we got to do a better job with what God's calling us to do. Amen? I want to win the prize. I want to be who God has called me to be. I want this church to be what God has called it to be. I have to do my part to help it become what God wants it to be. You have to do your part to help this church become all it is supposed to become. Amen? We need to run the race that God is calling us to run. And if you are a part of this church, then these are the values that we have to make important for this church. So my question this morning is, Will you help us win the race that God is calling us to run? Will you help us be the church that God is calling us to be? I want you to look. I've got all of these on a slide. Spirit-led worship, discipleship led by the Spirit, reach multiple generations, church of all nations, ministry improvement or involvement, uh, church of prayer, biblical foundations. Look at the core values. Decide in your heart how you can help us fulfill these values. It takes all of us working together. Amen? This year, I'll be teaching different series that fits into each of these core values. Now, I, I believe that I've failed this church by, making, by not making these values that uh, at the front and center for this church. That's on me. That's on your pastor, your leader. But this year, I'm going to do a better job in making you understand the importance of these values. Our mission, it's never changed. It's always been the same. Our mission is seeking God, connecting with people, reaching lives. These values are how we do that. This year, guess what? It's a new year, amen? It's a new season. And God is going to use this church to accomplish things that we have never seen before. I truly believe that with my heart. It doesn't matter what happened in the past of this church. It doesn't matter what happened in, since I've, I've been here 13 years. It doesn't matter what happened then. It doesn't matter what happened five years ago. It doesn't matter what happened last year. That's all in the past. What is it Paul said? Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. God has something new and something greater in store for us. And I want you to know that if you're here this morning and if you're struggling with something that's happened in your past, I'm here to let you know that God has come to set you free. You don't have to be bound by that past anymore. You can let it go and leave it back there in the past and understand that God has something far greater in the future for you. Leave those things which are behind, behind you. Leave them back there. Don't focus on them. Don't look at them. Don't rely on them. Don't even think about them. But look ahead to what God has planned for you. Strain toward the prize. Say, I want the prize. <laughs> I want the prize. Say it. Can we say it? Say, I want the prize. Amen? I want the prize. There's a prize waiting for me, and I want it. I want it. I want to go get it. I want to see what God has for me, and I'm going to do everything that I can to fulfill the calling that God's placed upon my life so that I can reach and win the prize. Amen? 
Someday, there's going to be a great reward, a great prize for me to do what God has called me to do. He has a prize waiting for me, and I want to be able to receive that prize. Can we pray? Let's pray. God, we just thank you this morning. Thank you for all these people that are here this morning. And as we start this new year, here January 2nd, 2022, it's a brand new season, it's a brand new year, it's a brand new day, a brand new time, and we're going to move forward into the future. You have plans for us. You have something laid out for us. We don't know everything that you have in store. We don't know everything that you're going to ask us to do. But all we know is that you have something ahead for us. You have a future. You have a plan. You have a purpose. And you want us to move towards it. And so I pray right now, everybody that's here, God, I pray that they no longer look at the past Whether it was good, whether it was bad or indifferent, it doesn't matter. The past is in the past. They're going to look ahead to the future because you have something far greater waiting for them ahead. They need to fulfill what you've called them to do. They need to be who you've called them to be. They need to move into the place that you want them to move into. And I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. With all heads bowed, eyes closed, before you can move ahead... You first have to make sure that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. I want you to know this morning that you have a great opportunity to accept Jesus. And it doesn't matter what your past has been, whatever that past is, leave it back there. God has something new and great ahead for you. And it starts with asking Jesus to be your Savior. Today, I want you to know, maybe you have recognized, maybe you've seen that you need his grace you've been maybe struggling all year and here it is in the new year i want you to know today is a great time to make it a new decision in christ you need jesus's forgiveness you need a change in your life this is not something that you earn matter of fact it's not even anything that any of us deserve but it's freely given to you And that's why you're here today. It's time to say yes. Today, by faith, give Jesus your life. And if this is you, then I want you to say this prayer after me. Can we all say this together? Say, dear Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner. I confess that I need a Savior. Today, I give my heart to you. Come into my life and make me clean. I want to serve you. I give my life to you. I am no longer my own. But I am yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you said that prayer this morning, I want you to let somebody know. Let me know. Let you know someone that you're close to know. Let a, a believer, a, a Christian know that that let them help you walk we want to walk with you on this journey we don't believe this is just a like you heard me say earlier this is not just a a one-time thing jesus can save you but there's more to it than just salvation amen you got to take that next step and allow him to not just be your savior but to be your lord and that's what i we want to help you in any way that we can is to help you on that journey Amen. God's good. Amen.
Amen. I want to, uh, we, we want to start the new year off by uh, taking up a special offering. Um, the, uh, our district has asked all the churches in our district if we could help uh, give an offering. I want to show you a video. Uh, it's about Compact Family Services. <laughs> 